guys, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Pixel and Graphite Convention Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Cy. And we are here to give you the insider scoops about conventions. If this is your first time listening to the PGC Podcast, welcome. Um, we are a convention business where we sell a bunch of original and fandom-based items at different conventions. <laughs> We're based in Arizona. Yeah. Um, and we are we are actually working our way to different states. So. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, we are actually continuing a three-part mini-series called Getting Started at Conventions. It's very basic, but yeah. we're covering kind of like the, what would you say, the highlights? Uh, we're trying to highlight the beginner's questions, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in our last episode, we talked about um, figuring out if you wanted to do conventions in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, then we talked about which conventions to sell at, how to apply for a table, and setting up your items. Yeah. And in part two, we are going to talk about getting a business license, setting up the table, and... That's it. That's it. Yeah. So let's get started. Also, if you haven't heard any of the other episodes lately, I encourage you to go back. Um, this is part two of the mini series, unless you're looking for specific information, so... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get started. This is basically, what, step four? Yep. Step four would be getting a business license. And basically anything uh, tax-related is going to be complicated and stupid. I actually wrote that down. Yeah, you did, (laughs) and it's true. Um, Basically, uh, to break down what a business license is, there are two types of business licenses. There's one for your state, and there's one for the actual con. Um, if you have a uh, regular business where you are going to be continually, or you're planning to continually sell at conventions every year, you need to get a state license as well as the, a license per con. Um, state licenses depend, honestly, the prices depend on the state. Um, for us, the basic license is about 25 and you have to pay um, state taxes on anything you make at your con. Yes, I've heard, I've also... Um... I heard rumors I could be really wrong about this. I heard that if you don't make up to a certain amount, you don't have to pay those? Um, no. (laughs) Okay, never mind. (laughs) Um, on the state, they, it's a percentage based off of what you do make. Because it's basically the price you're doing business in the state, and Mm -hmm. selling at a con for year after year after year, that's something you have to pay for, pay the privilege of doing. Um, it's... You can do it mostly online. You can apply online as well um, on most in most states. I know in Arizona you can. Now, um, if this is your first time starting out, I would not stress about getting the state license just yet. Uh-huh. But just be aware that if you're planning to do this consistently year after year, you need to get a state license. Yes. Um, it's already standing, sounding really complicated. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. We'll, we, we may actually do a, a, special, a special podcast actually walking you through the process of getting a state and a business license for the con. But we're just going to hit some bullet points real quick today. Yes. Now, second license is more common, and you do need to have this. It's the um, city license for the convention. Now, the convention has to have a business license to do business in a city. And the city requires every artist that's selling at this convention to have their own city license. Now, um, city licenses aren't usually that, that expensive. Um, the most expensive I've seen is $50. Mm-hmm. I know that, that sounds high to most people, but I think they're actually starting to like back off and make it 25 and lower. Mm. There are, used to be transient or uh, temporary business licenses that artists could get, but nowadays, most of the cities we do business in, they're like, you have to get the full year license, and we're like, 
but we're only here for one con. Yeah, <laughs> we're only going to be here for literally four days. Yeah, but um, most be just be aware that most uh, cities are starting to turn over where we don't do temporary licenses anymore. So you may run into that, depending on what state you're in. You may have a state that still does temporary licenses. If you do, that's awesome, because temporary licenses are way cheaper, usually. They are. Go into it figuring that you're going to spend upwards of twenty, fifteen to twenty five dollars on a license for this con. Now, applying for it, you can either go down to the state, the city hall of the city that the convention is in, mm-hmm. or you can do it through mail or online. Um, they're just basically going to ask you to fill out a form for tax purposes. They want your business information. Um, if you have a state uh license, they're going to ask for that ID. And usually, if you don't, you can leave it blank or use your uh, social security number sometimes. Uh-huh. They're not going to usually do anything with that. Just they're just going to report your findings to the state. Now, if you are consistently doing business in the state and you haven't gotten a state license, the state will contact you and say, get a license so we can get those taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for the most part, you're usually going to only deal with, as a beginner, you're going to deal with the con license. Right. And you're going to get that. You need to have it done before you go. Now, there are some conventions where they don't actually check that you have it. And I know it's frustrating that you went, I went I, through all this trouble, paid this money, got this form, got yeah. this little sign that says I'm legal, and no one cares if I have it or not. Now, lots of big conventions, they won't let you. They won't even let you register unless you show it. I know that um, Phoenix Comic Con and Anime Expo in particular, they will actually... You like they will ask you to present the, uh, the license, and if you don't have it, they will contact you after the con. Or sometimes I've heard them say they won't let you sell at all. Really? Yeah. So this is actually a very important step. After you get your table, after you get everything ready, you need to get a license. And I know it sounds scary, and I know the government process of filling forms out is like, I don't want to do taxes. But yeah. you need to do it so that you can make sure that when you get to the con, there's no problems and that you can get your table. Yeah, you want that safety net, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have much to add when it comes to state the licenses and stuff. Um, I do want to learn, but it's it's just one of those things, like, you don't want to do it, but it's a requirement. Yeah. yeah. And it's just the cost of doing business wherever you're going. And yeah. It's it's really easy to go, well, my the con didn't check last year, so maybe I just won't get it this year. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because con- one thing that I have learned about conventions is that staff, convention staff is always changing things. Yeah. Even though they might not have checked something last year, they might do it next year. And actually, nine times out of ten, even if you don't get a business license... The, the the con, at the end of the con, will report who was there, mm-hmm. and the actual city will check to see if you have a license, and if you don't, they will mail you something saying, you weren't registered, you need to buy a license to pay your taxes. Definitely feel free to do some research for that. Um, we can tell you basically the ins and outs about Arizona state taxes, but if you are in another state, I do recommend visiting your state's website. Yeah, it's usually the statename.gov or something. Yeah, and just going from there. Um, I really wish I could give you like specific numbers, but I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. It, it varies per state. And honestly, it varies per city in each state. So yeah. you just have to do the research of your particular city and state. Mm-hmm. So that was step four, uh, getting a business license. It seems a little bit boring and stupid, <laughs> but it is a necessary uh, step and you really don't hear much about that when people talk about yeah um some cons will, will have a little blurb on their artist only page saying mm-hmm. you need to have a state license or you need to have a city license 
and then they'll like maybe sometimes have a link, but then not much else. Yeah. And so most new artists will be like, what is that? Exactly. <laughs> so, and it's also kind of funny because even some uh, states or some cities wouldn't even know what, there was a convention going on, which yeah. is what happened to us. <laughs> yeah, we actually went to a convention and we went to get the license because we went a day early specifically to get the license. And they're like, there's not an event that day. We're like, uh, yes, there is. <laughs> We were kind of freaking out because I was like, oh no, we got to check the calendar. Are you sure we came in the right date? Yeah, and I'm like, and we were totally right. There was a convention, but apparently the people in the government office had no idea. They had no idea. So bear in mind, guys, the government sometimes isn't on the up and up. No, they are not. (laughs) But that doesn't mean you should not get a license. You need to get your licenses. Mm -hmm. So that was step four. Uh, Step five, I can actually participate in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Setting up your table. Now, um... I love setting up tables. Oh, it's it's an it's an all day ordeal for us. Yes, <laughs> but I enjoy it immensely because I love the whole organization, and not only because it takes all day to do it, but I love just being able to set everything up, having everything organized, and it just kind of gives you that kind of a thrill that like it just makes me excited that we're going to be doing this at a convention, and I always get excited like <laughs> at conventions. So we're going to talk about. Setting up your table. And if you're a beginner, um, this is highly recommended. Setting up your table because you don't want to get to the convention hall on your first day and then suddenly be like, oh no, we have to figure this out. Yeah. Um, also, before we dive into what, how to set up and what to do, um, let's start with what to use. Yes. Because um, a standard uh, setup for most artist alleys are those grid cubes. Mm-hmm. And basically, there are these usually six cubed wire racks connected by connectors that you can buy in packs of four, four or six cube sets. And they range from 20 to $35, depending on what kind of set you get. And also depending where, too. Yeah. And um, they're basically a safe starting point. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of designs with these, and you can do a lot of different product setups with them. Yes. And bas- we suggest getting two six-cube sets, because mm-hmm. it gives you more options. And honestly, those little cube connectors, there are not enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Yes, uh, you can also purchase extra cube connectors. Just be aware where you're getting them from. Or you can use zip ties with those. Actually, I recommend zip ties more than a cube connector. So do I. Um, The only reason that we use connectors is because we do um, sort of weird setups that need um, either a weird angle or Mm -hmm. a weird L shape that won't stand up with the zip ties. Yeah. But for the most part, zip ties will save your life. (laughs) Yeah, setting up with zip ties, it's so much faster. Yeah. And bringing them down. Yeah. So much faster. <laughs> um, so there's other items that you can use for displays. Um, if PVC. you're PVC pipes, if you have a lot of prints, a lot of I've seen so many people use PVC pipes just to set up their prints. And I will say, if you are a print-heavy person, PVC pipe is usually the way to go. But be aware, PVC um, setups can... A, take a while, mm-hmm. B, fall down unexpectedly, yeah. and C, make your neighbors miserable. Yes. <laughs> um, let's, let's touch on those. <laughs> um, as in taking a long time to set up, it does take a while um, because it's PVC pipe. A, it's not used for, it's not made for prints. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that artists have found out, hey, this will work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they are... Heavy. Yeah. They are heavy naturally. So if you set it up and it's very tall, your base is going to have to be long. 
Yeah, not just long, it has to be weighted. Yes. So, and you don't want to be that artist who has long PVC pipes going past your table into their space. Mm. That's a little bit rude. <laughs> um, we've seen a couple of artists actually do that, and the artists around them weren't happy campers about it. Um, yeah. I've seen someone actually trip. Yeah. Because of that PVC pipe. Um, we also seen somebody who had PVC pipes on the table. Yeah. Right? And it just fell, fell. right over. Um, yeah, because you have to be aware of how heavy they are, how much it can take without leaning forward or leaning backwards. Because yeah. there would be nothing worse than having your display when you're not there, like at night, lean backward and destroy the, the, the display behind you. Oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, PVC pipe is a standard, but at the same time... You just really have to know what you're doing, yeah. and also to make it as manageable as possible to set up, to maintain, and to not interfere with the tables around you. Yeah. If if it's that point, when it comes to that, I'm just like, I would rather just put my prints in a book and just have the book there. And that is, a, a book display is actually a really good standard, too. Um, we've seen variations of that. Mm -hmm. I would not suggest having your, your book flat on your table no. unless that is the centerpiece of your table. Because what's going to happen is people are either going to gloss over it, or it's going to be one of those, you have someone just browsing the center of your table and no one can see anything around it. Yes. <laughs> Usually around the corners on the side is a good yeah. place to put your book. Um, the reason we don't you don't want it flat on it is because you want things to be eye level with your customers. Yeah. Um, this is a natural selling point that stores use. They usually put their best items eye level. Mm -hmm. So because it's easy to grab and... It's right there. Yeah. So they'll have their most expensive items, and the, that's why you see the cheaper items on the bottom or yeah. almost on top, but it's usually on the bottom. Let's see. There are other things that you can use. Um, if you're crafty, you can actually make your own little display, yeah, too. You can make a little wedge to display stuff, or I've seen people actually make tiers out of cardboard mm -hmm. and paint them the pretty colors. Which I think is amazing. It is. Um, uh, but if you're not that crafty, um, particularly for if you're displaying a print book, Mm -hmm. I, it sounds weird. Standalone music stand is actually what will keep it upright. You can control the angle, and you can have a nice-sized book that you can turn stuff. Yes. And honestly, we use a music stand, and it works really well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it works very well. So those are just touching a little things about, like, what to get for displays. Um, there's also, like, acrylic displays or um, plastic displays you can probably buy on Amazon or eBay, too. Um, they're, they're good, but I don't really recommend it because, A... They're costly, so if you're going to keep it and use it over and over and over again, sure, make the investment, but if you're just starting out, do something else. I would definitely <laughs> suggest getting the grid wire, yeah. which are, even though $35 for a 6-cube sounds expensive, it's actually really intuitive, and mm -hmm. you can do a lot with even just one cube set. Yeah. We just suggest getting two to give you more options in the future. Exactly. So, um, you can start with one cube set and do really well. Mm -hmm. Two, um, if you do get a, uh, acrylic displays, like we actually have bookmark stands mm -hmm. and they're, they're made for booklets, but we use them for bookmarks. If you have a lot of small items like that, you want people to see, but you want them straight up and down. That's also a great option. Yes. Um, you could also, for, if you're displaying buttons or keychains, I've also seen a starter set is to do a cork board. Just buy a cork board oh, yeah. and pin them on in rows mm -hmm. and you could decorate the cork board to make it look pretty or whatever for your design of your table. Yes. And there's just a lot of things you can do that won't break the bank when you're setting up, yeah. thinking of how to set up your display. Yes. And cork boards and other items like that you can most likely find at Hobby Lobby or Michael's or You can even find at Walmart. <laughs> even at Walmart, huh? Yeah. yeah. So 
options. <laughs> yeah. So just don't freak out when you go, well, I have all my stuff. I don't know how to display it. I don't have to want to spend more money on the display. Mm-hmm. You're going to probably spend a little money, but it's not going to be huge as much as you think. Right. <laughs> and some of this stuff I feel like you might have laying around your house. Yeah. So I recommend just going through your garage or your attic or your basement or your room or something and just see what you already have available. Yeah. So chances are you might find what you need somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so that's basically about um, what to get in terms of items to display. Um, but we recommend that when you do set up your table is to do this at least a week before your actual convention. I think the minimum is like, what, two days? <laughs> um, honestly, you do it two days, you're going to be super stressed. I'm just yeah. going to throw that out there. But you can do it two days before just so it's fresh in your mind. Um, we do. We, we actually try to do between a week and four days before so we have an idea, and we take pictures so we know what it looks like when we get to the con. Also, good point. Take pictures. <laughs> yeah. Because, if anything, you might forget what you did the other day. Also, when you're setting up your table, make sure to know what your table size is. Mm-hmm. We don't have tables. That I are mean, the right size, so we measure it off on our big table to yes. make sure it's like, will this fit on the table we got? Yeah. And that system works. I've yeah. yet to see it fail. <laughs> so we do it on our on the big dining table, and we'll just tape off yeah. where the uh, where the no setup zone is, and we work off there. And that is actually a really good time once you're setting up your table to set up your prices and make your price sheets. Yep. What else can you do? Oh, also, it's a good time to take inventory of what you're selling. Yeah. And if you are sharing with somebody. It's a good time for them to come over and they can set up with you. Yeah, it's actually even more important if you're sharing a table that both of you get together and look at your setup. Because setting up a half table on your own, your two halves may have a completely different setup type and they may look wrong next to each other. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so it's actually a really good idea to to have your partner with you or the person you're sharing your table with with you. So that way... You guys can build in harmony. Yes, and it could look like a table that's meant to be. <laughs> yes, and there are some table setups that are really, really nice. And I won't lie, when I go to conventions and I'm walking down the, the hall, I stare at their setups. Yeah, um, it's, some of them are just really like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to do that. It's a really nice setup. Right? <laughs> um, others I've seen are just ridiculous and horrible. <laughs> just talking about that a little bit. Um, I've seen setups where the person just has all their artwork flat on the table, and it just looks like, from far away, it just looks like a really nice dining table setting. But when you get close up, you're like, oh, you're selling artwork. <laughs> like, you're selling things. Um, I've also seen somewhere a guy was promoting a comic book, and all he did was have the book on a stand, and everything else was flat around him. Mm. So you you don't want that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the whole flat versus raised. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why having everything just flat on the tabletop in front of you is so bad is, first of all, people won't see what you have until they're right up on your table looking down. That, that's one way that people come to, why people come to certain tables is they see something from a distance and go, oh, that looks interesting, let me go check that out. Yes. Um, bringing things up and higher, and especially this is why we like to make our particular displays really tall, is... We want people from a distance to see them something they like. Yes. And most people in an artist alley hall, there's a, like a lot of congestion, and you can't really see things until you're right up on certain things. Mm-hmm. But if there's something that's rising above the entire crowd, you're going to see that. <laughs> you're going to see that, and that's going to grab attention. And um, I'm also going to give you an insider secret. 
We also have a sign mm. that we display on top of one of our towers. I'm not going to lie, that sign has brought us more people because they see our logo. Regulars will recognize the logo first mm -hmm. off, and they'll just make a beeline to the table, <laughs> which I think is awesome because I've seen it where at TayoCon, we, we had that set up, and we just we were at perfect view of the doors. So when they opened the doors and the customers came in, I just saw like two customers that were like, look, 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 and they just ran to <laughs> us. So I was like, yes, <laughs> it was awesome. Um, and honestly, we the reason why we got our second set of grid wires was because we wanted to do that higher tier. Yes. And when I say higher tier, this tier is so ridiculously high that you can't even put product on that because no one can see it. <laughs> but from a distance, you see the low, you see our, our small logo banner, yes. which is why we wanted it so high. And I, I know it sounds really daunting, like, well, I have to buy this, this, and this to even get that high. Then I have to make a sign, and I don't want, to, I don't know how to make a sign. What if I don't have a logo, or what do I do? Well, if you have an artist identity and mm -hmm. you're going to a con as your first con, it can be as simple as just your name yeah. for your artwork, and just make it. Bold enough to see from a distance, mm -hmm. but clear enough that someone can recognize it. Yes. Logo design will be another completely different podcast, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but basically, if you have a following, or particularly a following, or, you've, or you're have or you new and you've like told so many people, I'm going to be here, this is my first con, come visit me, mm -hmm. make sure to combine those posts you've done online with sort of a logo that they'll expect to see. That yes. way, when they get to the con... They just look for the logo and find you. In all honesty, that's, it all comes down to like brand identity. That's also something we can touch on <laughs> later. So, another podcast. Another podcast later on. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I always love the raise things because it's just the whole eye level thing too. If you guys haven't noticed, I'm particularly short. <laughs> when I go to a booth and they have stuff that's like right at eye level, you know, that's what I'm reaching for. Yeah. And it's kind of like the whole psychology of retail yeah. because they do that too. And it's so funny because I've worked in retail as managers, as a supervisor for about 10 years. And I can tell you the ins and outs about the secrets of, <laughs> of stores and stuff like that. When in all honesty, it's just human psychology. Yeah. Or it's human behavior and, and how it works. This is why when we set up our table, because uh, she's ridiculously short, in my opinion, because I'm ridiculously tall. <laughs> so I'll be doing the setup for the tall stuff, and they'll go, wait, wait, Alex, come here. And she's like, what? Like, can you see this? <laughs> and she's like, that's too high. Down. <laughs> yes, that has happened several times. You'd be like, this is right. And I'm like, I can't see anything. It's like, it's like but no, I'm fine. <laughs> I can see. It's like, dude, everybody's my size. <laughs> hey, they're not an Amazon. <laughs> Okay. How long would you say it takes for us to do a table setup? Okay. I can actually go off for... Uh, we keep getting a little bit faster every time we do it. Our first setup took almost eight hours. Our first setup as Pixel and Graphite. And that was because that was our first actual sitting down, planning everything. Yes. Our latest convention, which was Tayo, we took maybe about five hours... Um, and most of that was just having to build the towers with the zip ties and yeah. the things. But planning-wise, we came into the actual building meeting going, okay, we have an idea of... Because we already knew what we were bringing. We already knew what we wanted to be the eye-catchers. And we already knew what items we had. So we had to... So we'd already planned some preliminary sketches of, all right, what setup will work best on the table and in the area we are. Mm -hmm. And actually, what's really funny is we actually changed the setup during that meeting because, okay, this isn't working. Yeah. We need to change it. And even something that's even more interesting is we changed it again when we got to the con because we realized yes. the space 
wasn't what we thought it was. Yes, and going off on that, it's okay to change your display if yes. you're at convention. Um, I just don't recommend doing it in the middle of the convention. Do it after or before. Yeah, never, never touch your table when the convention hall is, or the vendor hall is open. Yeah. Because that's just, you're ruining your business by blocking it by building stuff. <laughs> yeah, so just something to bear in mind. There's a lot of factors that go into table setup, especially for us, because we have to make sure that people are seen from behind. Because mm-hmm. um, that's something you also have to bear in mind if people can see you. And I've actually seen many setups where it's geared to where the artist is hidden. Usually I see this with the PVC setups where they just have one little hole through all these wall of prints. I, I think it's so funny. And, like, it's I a think, little door. And it's, it's really interesting because I've actually done this multiple times. I've seen those PVC setups. I'm like, oh, that's that print. Where's the artist? And then I'm looking and I'm like, oh, there are holes with people in them. I <laughs> go, <laughs> <Like a> hello. <laughs> and part of the reason why I don't notice them is because they're not looking up and I can't see that they're actually people. They're not at natural eye level. No, nothing is natural eye level for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's different for you because you're tall. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Just look down. (laughs) Tilt your head that way. (laughs) But yeah, I've seen that too. Um, I've also seen not just with PVC pipes, but with the cubes. Yeah. They'll just have the cubes like all over their table and it's just like literally right in front of them. And I'm just like, hello, is someone back there? (laughs) Little tiny aisle way. And for us in particular, because we're two people, we always want to be seen. I mean, we want to be seen by you and we want to interact with you and we want you to see us. Mm -hmm. And so we've actually had, we've had to struggle with this whole space problem because the space is plenty wide enough for one person, but usually half of the other person gets hidden. So we've had this whole, where we had to give and take going, okay, we need to switch chairs, do stuff. I'm not quite sure if we get seen. Sometimes we actually have one of us go out like near the edge of the table. So we're leaning out and saying hi or something. But keeping in mind that there's a space to be seen is Mm -hmm. important when you're setting up your table. Very important. So make sure you guys, especially if you're sharing a table too. Yeah. um, Make sure there's a space between you guys. When people are sharing a table, I like the whole W setup. Where there's kind of like a small tower on one edge and then a, a medium in the middle and then one at the end as well. So whoever's there will have their stuff set up on one side and kind of like it creates oh, a natural block. Yeah, I see. I've seen it's, it wasn't much of the W. is like there's like a central where you have business cards and stuff. Yeah. But there's just two towers on the edge and mm-hmm. you know that those are the artists, specific artists on those sides. Yeah. And um, I also like the two towers now that you mention it. The two towers set up because... Um, and what the two tower setup is basically the cubes yeah. stacked on top of each other on both ends of the table. I like that because it naturally draws in the customer to, to the center. Yeah, and it kind of cages them in actually. Not in a sense that they're literally caged in, but people respond more to those natural barriers. Mm. So while you're doing your table setup, I know I mentioned this before, it's a good time to set up your prices. You can. There are multiple ways to do price lists, and I've seen both done, and I've seen both done well and both done horribly. <laughs> the standard one I've seen is to do the sticker method where you individually price things by sticking the price on the corner of types of items. Like if you have a wall of prints, you stick a corner, you, you stick the price on the corner of each print. Right. Um, if you've got a wall of keychains, you put a, you stick on a header that says keychains, $1, $2, however much they are on top of the, the area. Mm-hmm. And there are also the price lists where there's the central price list where it's just one giant list of all your prices and usually it's in the center or in a very visible spot Yes. so that people don't have to have to ask you, well, what's your price for this or what's your price for that? Now, bear in mind, you're still going to get that question whether you have signs or not. <laughs> That's just... It's like, it's just the it's just natural. It's natural. People, people will look really quick and not see it or gloss over it and go, what's the price for this? Oh, it's this. Yeah. And also, when making price lists, 
make an area for a price list behind the table that you can see mm-hmm. because you always want to consistently tell people prices and not just blank out. And I'm going to be honest, whether you know your price is back in front or not, you are going to blank out. You're going to go, yeah. who's going to ask, how much is that print? Uh, uh. <laughs> give me one second. Second. And yeah, and then you don't want to have to like look through a book or come around the front. You want to yeah. be able to look up and go, oh, that, and that's the price. And yeah. also your deals have mm-hmm. a set of deal prices back behind the, the table too. Yes. We actually do a combination of the stick on price and the price sheet. Mm-hmm. We always try to have a full price sheet on either just one side, the where it will fit, or both sides of the table. Mm-hmm. And we always do section prices where we tell you this is a section of keychains yes. or stickers and this is the price. Again, we still get asked, what's your price? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. It's it just still happens. happens. Yeah, it, it happens all the time. And also while you're setting up your prices and figuring out where to pr- place them, if you happen to take card, like if you have a square reader, something like that, Put it on the price list. Make sure it's on there because folks will, you'll still get the questions, do you take card, but it's good to have that available. And also, the reason why price lists are so important is there are a lot of customers in the artist alley who don't feel comfortable talking to the artist. It's this says nothing about you, they're just either really shy or really quiet. Yes. And they want to, if they see something they like, they want to look at it, come to a decision, know the price, and then say, I want to buy this. And they don't want to have to ask you, oh, I don't want to ask them what the price is because they're not, may, they may or may not pressure me to buy it. Yeah. So there are just some, certain people who just want to have all the information, come to the decision in their head, and then mm-hmm. talk to you when they're ready to buy. Exactly. Which is totally fine. Yeah. It's- but it's having price lists and price sections is just a way to make things more accessible to every customer that comes to your table. Yeah. What you want to do is make it easier for them. Yeah. Because if it's easier for them it's going to be easier to make a decision to buy. And more than not, it's going to be a positive decision. Yeah. So so that's about it when it comes to, you know, setting your price sheets. Um, also, when you're setting up, it's a good time to take an inventory of what you're selling because once you're done setting up, that is a perfect time to store everything and have it ready for you to just grab and go when you're ready to get to the convention. Um, uh, speaking of storage, you also, when you're setting up your table... Be aware of where you're storing the stuff you're actually selling. Yes. Um, because with the cube grids, you can actually make cubby holes in the back where you can store things. Like, for us, we usually store all of our uh, button images mm-hmm. and our button machine in the actual display. Yes. Because that way, when we set up at night, we can wrap it and make it secure and not have to, like, in the morning come in, unpack everything, put it back in the hole, uh, put together the button maker. Mm-hmm. It's just already there. We unwrap our display and we're ready to go for the day. Yep. Um, also, under your table, be aware of how long your table is so you know if you can have chests that have your items in them. Yes. And we suggest getting some chests that lock because, honestly, some certain conventions don't have that great of security. All the events we've been to have had awesome security, so I have nothing to complain about. But be aware, there are some cons that don't lock your artist alley, or don't have security, or what have you. And you always want to be sure that if you leave your items under your table, Mm -hmm. they are secure. And always take your cash box with you. Always. (laughs) Always. Don't leave that behind. I just got, like, chills. (laughs) just, Just thinking of not, of a convention of not having security. I'm like... Really? Yeah. And more often than not, um, what I've seen a lot of people do is that they'll take their cube displays and put it behind their table. Yeah, I've seen that too. And um, if you're like paranoid of people taking stuff off, do that. Yeah. Um, the other option is to wrap it with blankets and mm-hmm. secure them with clips. Because that way, if someone wants to get to your stuff, people will see them 
fiddling with that display. Yeah, before. if they want to steal something and you have it wrapped with like a tablecloth, they're really working for it. Yeah, we actually um, wrap both of our towers individually in such a way that we almost double wrap so mm -hmm. that if you can't even get under it unless you're actually digging and to the risk of where you would upset the tower and over tip it. Those are just some hints and tips about, you know, securing your, your items afterwards. When it comes to items we have displayed out like bookmarks buttons we always put those away in the back probably we usually put those in the yeah chest. we put those in the chest yes. we actually have two chests one for where we keep all of the display stuff and one where we keep all the actual product mm -hmm. and when we whenever we pack for the night we make sure that we put all the things in the chest and scoot the chest under the table mm -hmm. and ours actually lock so we so we want to make some secure exactly so yeah you always want to make sure that when you're setting up your table, you are aware of the space under your table yes. so that you have you know, you know what room you have to store mm -hmm. your stuff. Yeah. And it can be a little bit annoying at first because you're in a little bit, you know, paranoia might kick in because you're kind of... I know we've been talking a lot about the security mm -hmm. issue and stuff, so I don't want you guys to be paranoid that people are going to steal your <laughs> items. Yeah. Don't be paranoid. Don't most, be paranoid. <laughs> most conventions and artist alley vendor uh, staff, they are amazing and they are aware of the issues that artists have and they want to make sure their stuff is secure. Exactly. It's just a way to, you know, just to be extra safe. Yeah, just be more prepared than not. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's kind of like what you say. It's like, I would rather be prepared and not be prepared. Yeah. It's kind of like um, that old saying, which it's better to have it and not need it than yeah. to need it and not have, have it. it. Yeah. So, and that, that's good too. Um, so taking inventory of what you're selling... Uh, that, I will admit, we don't usually do at times, but we do have a base number of stuff that we are selling. Um, our inventory, actually, we have it, whenever we order it, um, we keep track of how many things we've ordered, so mm -hmm. we actually do have an inventory already in place after we've ordered the item. Yes. Um, the only inventory we actually have to, um, that fluctuates is our, uh buttons because mm -hmm. we set, we have more button designs than others so we don't have a base number like for instance we know we have a certain number of designs of every sticker we've made yes that's just we ordered that many and that's how many we have so mm -hmm. we know how many stickers we've got start going into a con at the end of cons we usually that's when we do the inventory for the next one so we know where we started from the last con yes so we keep inventory a little differently we don't just sit down and write everything at the start of a con, if it's yeah. our first con of the year, because we already know we're starting at the base number of mm -hmm. we, what we've bought. Yes. If you're starting out, though, if you're a beginner, um, taking inventory of what you have is fairly important. Actually, should be fairly easy. Yeah. Because... Basically, it's just counting up what you've got, writing down the number, and keeping track of how yeah. many you sell throughout the con. And you can keep track of how much you sell either at the end of the con or at the end of the day. Um, we kind of do... We used to do both, but now we just do at the end of the con. Mm -hmm. um, it's just easier. Yeah, it, it, it honestly is just easier. But if you're a beginner and you have a paranoid tendencies, I'm not saying it's bad, it's just if you have that, <laughs> you may want to do inventory at the end of the day. And I would only suggest this if you have stuff on the front of your table that's in a basket or easy to grab yes. because you want to um, reduce the risk of missing shrinkage. If someone stole something throughout the day, you want to know of that as soon as possible. Yes, and um, that's basically one of the reasons why you want to take inventory. Um, also, you want to make sure the money you make matches up the, the items you have. Yeah, exactly. So. so, inventory is definitely one of those important things. Like I said, if you're a beginner, you can do it at the end of the day, depending how much items you have. Mm -hmm. But for us, for veterans, you guys can actually do it at the end of the convention. And that's only because if you have, like, so much stuff. Because yeah. we have a lot of stuff. 
And usually, like, as you mentioned before, we do our inventory the day after the convention or a day or two days after the yeah. convention. That's usually when, because we just need to... We need a break. We need a break. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it usually takes more time on our buttons because yes. we have so many buttons. So after you're done taking inventory, what you want to do is just have everything stored and tucked away. And we already talked about storage. And I'm not going to lie. Once you have everything stored away, you're going to be thinking, I didn't put this away. I didn't put that away. Make a checklist. Um, I've actually, uh, for the past, uh, I think, five cons, I actually make a checklist on the day we have uh, setup day. And basically, I check off, is this packed? Put it in the box. Check Mm -hmm. it off. Um, we actually have uh, three storage boxes. One is for all our displays, like for our big banners, our grid wire, and what have you. And then we have the two chests for our product and our displays for the actual on the, on the grid wire wall. Yeah. Um, so I make sure I know what is in which box. Mm-hmm. I make sure it's packed and ready to go. And I close them up, put them in the corner for us to put into the car the night before. And I don't have to think of it until we actually get to the convention hall because I'm like, I've made sure we checked off everything. Yes. You may forget to have it, to know what to put on your checklist. Mm -hmm. A basic checklist to have is your display section. Do I have my grid wire? Do I have my connectors? Do I have anything else I need for displaying my items? Mm -hmm. Second part of your list should be my items. Do I have all my prints? Do I have my stickers? Do I have my bags or whatever? Third should be accoutrements. Do I have my cash box? Do I have my change? Do I have anything else I need, like a card reader? Yeah. Make sure you have everything, like, be super detail-oriented because you don't want to go to a con and realize you forgot something you super, super needed. Like a card reader. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to go to a con without that. Because, I mean, you can take cards by punching the numbers manually, but you lose a percentage because it costs more for you to do that. Mm-hmm. So just make sure you have a, a super detailed checklist mm-hmm. and then follow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's basically about it, about step five, setting up your table. Um, I know we went through a whole lot of additional details, but in the end, it's going to help everybody out. And it actually is part of setting up your table because mm-hmm. setting up your table should be your pre-con flight checklist. Yes. So, and it should include packing all your items, making sure you have everything mm-hmm. and that everything will be displayed nicely on your table space. Yes, and in regards to packing, I'm pretty sure at this point you've already packed, like, clothes and additional goodies and stuff like that. Yeah, if you have hotel fees and stuff, that's that's a whole other set of packing. But, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. Make sure you figure that out as well. (laughs) So that was step five, setting up your table. We're going to end the podcast right here because I felt like we went through a good amount of information. (laughs) Um, If you have any questions or anything like that, please feel free to email us. Our email is pixel.and.graphite at gmail.com. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay, I kind of flipped at the end there. Um, we love receiving emails. Um, if you follow us on Facebook, we are Pixel and Graphite. And if you follow us on Facebook, definitely feel free to send us a message we because like we like messages. And we definitely respond to them, too. In fact, Facebook is probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. Yes. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, Pixel and Graphite. Follow us on Twitter, Pixel Graphite. Follow us on Tumblr, Pixel and Graphite. And you can also um, be a patron on our Patreon page, Pixel and Graphite. Um, basically, once you become a patron, you'll be able to get not only insider scoop on what we're up to, behind the scene things. Um, you'll also be able to get transcripts of this episode and previous episodes as well. 
and you'll be able to listen to additional things that we won't have available on SoundCloud or iTunes like a bloopers <laughs> thing because I've been wanting to do that for the longest time and, and we've got plenty of them. We have so much to add. So those are just some of the things that you can add on. Um, also, in August 5th through the 7th, we will be attending Game On. Yep, in the Mesa Convention Center. In the Mesa Convention Center, yes. And we will we'll definitely be there, so we hope to see you guys there as well. Um, we're going to be having a bunch of new goodies. And let's see, anything else that's new? Make sure to visit our... Ticktail site, pixelandgraphite.ticktail.com. That is our store, and you'll be able to check out a bunch of our goodies, especially the Love Your Gamer Site tote bag. Yep. And with the Game On Expo coming up, that'd be a good way to show off your gamer side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for the Pixel and Graphite Convention podcast. All right, so that was um, the second part of our three part mini series, Getting Started at Conventions. Next week, we are going to talk about stuff to do at the convention while you're selling, um, what to do afterwards, and we'll give you some additional tips and hints and stuff like that. So please feel free to listen to us then. I'm Alex. And I'm Sar. And we hope to see you again on the next episode of the Pixel Graphite Convention Podcast. Bye! Bye.